When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the family with Minnie Mouse. <laughs> Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Andy Ray Bernard. And Mike Bryant. <laughs> They're still up at Disney World, that's all I have oh, yeah, to say. We should have done Minnie Mouse. Oh, there you go. I'm telling you, walking Jude this morning, my feet were like, you've been in Disney World. <laughs> Oh my god! Forty-two miles. So many pains. <laughs> I know. I worked out. My feet. I worked out this morning, and like I did a stretch afterwards, and like my left back of my leg was just like, nope, not moving, <laughs> not happening. I was like, oh my god, it's bad. We will be right back after this. Kick things off. Our special guest Frank Ferrante. Uh, an evening with Groucho.com slash the film Frank Ferrante's Groucho. Frank is up next with the family. Hello, Mike Bryant. Here he is. Yeah, you want to do it live, Mike? Sure, we can. Um, Michael Bryant, Brad John Bryant. Looking at the weather, it looks like it's going to be another week of of uh, warm temperatures with melting, followed by cold temperatures and snow, and which means curves and back streets, and uh, occasionally even the regular highways are way too slick, and people are getting way too fast, and as a result, you're seeing them in ditches and. That's a problem. So slow down. Give yourself time. Realize what's going on with the temperatures. Brad, Sean, Bryant. Back in the saddle again. We're back in the saddle again. Okay, Gene Autry, what's that all about? Well, after our normal break, Coon Rapids Nissan and Walzer Nissan are back on the air with 10 months of terrible commercials. Ever think of hiring a copywriter? Pat's pretty good. Hey, we're selling cars, not carpets. Anyways, too expensive. Check out our new press release. This just in, Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan have started out 2022 as the number one and number two dealers in the state of Minnesota. Jason Leckler has been quoted as saying, this is the year I bump off Dan Resch. He studied animal husbandry for crying out loud. Dan replied with, blow it, J-Lo. What do you think? Um, maybe you should hire a copywriter. Cool that they're leading the sales race, though. That's good. Yeah, it's actually more than good. Because they were so dominant last year, we've earned more than our fair share of new Nissans. We have 40 Altimas available for March and 120 Rogues. Check out the huge selection of Nissans at Burnsville Nissan and Coon Rapids Nissan. 
Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. We're rocking out, man. Let me know when Frank is ready to go. All right. What's that? I said can do. All right, not ready to go yet, but we're uh, we'll have him in a couple of minutes. Matter of fact, eleven. I should be on any second now. As a matter of fact. It's going to be fun for me to talk about this because nobody loved Groucho Marx more than I did, man. Yes. Or, or at least as much as I did, I suppose. Or I did as much as they did. I don't know what the hell they were doing. You're a big old fan. <laughs> Everyone loves Groucho. <clears throat> I kind of look like right Groucho. Oh. Who oh, does? There he you is. Do. You do. I do? Yeah. <laughs> about the same as you look oh. like Rock. Oh, looks like sounds like. Oh, the yeah, well, okay, Frank's <laughs> going to have to hear this story today. This is unbelievable. Frank Ferrante with us, ladies and gentlemen. How are you doing, Frank? Hey, Tom. How's it going? Not too bad. And I got to open up with something. But you and I have never met. I don't think in person, have we? I don't believe we have. I don't believe we have. So this won't mean much to you right. because, well, <laughs> you could you could look out my picture on the internet and, and find out. But, I've seen uh, you. I did. I did my research. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, then you're going to know this is, I don't know where this woman was coming from, but whatever. But we took the grandchildren to uh, Disney World over the past uh, four, five, six days, something like that, right? Uh-huh. And I'm there, and this older woman is at Disney World, and she comes up to me and goes, you know, I just had to come over and say hello. <clears throat> and I said, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm glad to hear that. She said, should I, I won't tell anybody that you're here. And I said, okay, well, I not sure that anybody in Disney World is going to care that I'm here, but, you know, whatever. And she said, well, you're The Rock, aren't you? What? I don't look anything like The Rock. No, you don't. When did this happen? What? Yeah, when did this well, happen? It was at the pool. You don't, were you not there when that happened? You've never been told right. any of us this. Yeah, she, well, no, I did tell you, but you forgot. No, you did I not tell it, me this. I did, too. I mentioned it briefly, but you guys were Maybe I'll, I, oh, I thought you said A Rock. Yeah, it's our rock. rock. Yeah, there you go. I was confused. But Frank, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you, Frank, Maybe whether it's Groucho Marx or The Rock. Yeah, you could do a one-man show on, on The Rock. <laughs> I we really could, tour, could. We could tour together. I uh, I also, Frank, will tell you that this is going to be quite an excite, exciting show for me because uh, nobody... I don't think anybody, well, maybe as much, but nobody loved Groucho more than I did from the time I was a little baby right up until today. I, I just loved that man. And I love the fact Good. that Jay Leno brought back his show. Me too. I really do. Me too. No, yeah, I loved that, him since I was a kid, too. We got that comment, that and knowing that and the fact that I look like The Rock. <laughs> Very good, Frank. Frank, you, thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Uh, for, for listeners, I appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you on. For listeners that tuned in for the first time to, to uh, listen to Frank talk, uh, I'm here to tell you that I'm not Samoan, nor do I look anything like the. I suppose we're not even the. Well, he's bigger than me, but I suppose not that much bigger. Than I, I am, he's I guess, a lot but. bigger than you. Yeah, are. he's a lot he's, bigger than everybody. Yeah. 
<coughs> other than Officer Dave. Man. Yeah. Officer Dave. Yeah. Is the same size. Yeah. 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 Is the same size. Yeah. Yeah. Is he really? Yeah. 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 And he's bald. And he's bald, but you're not. Like, yeah. you well, look I had a baseball cap on, though. Oh, okay. But you still, had, I don't, you look as much as a rock as I do, like... I know. Sofia Vergara. No, I know. I just, <laughs> I don't know where she got it, but she was close. convinced that I would. Well, but Frank, I go through this quite a bit because uh, last year in Nashville, we did uh, a three-day show in Nashville, and somebody thought I was Bill Parcells. I can so, see that. you know. Oh, she can see that one because oh, yeah, he's 80. Right. There's like, well, there's certain pictures where... You, yeah. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> anyway, Frank, I will tell you, we'll start off at this point with, with Groucho Marx. Eveningwithgroucho.com slash the film. Um, I was hooked forever as a little, little, little boy when uh, Frank uh, Groucho had uh, uh, this woman on, a, on You Bet Your Life. And he asked how many children she had, and it was like, I don't, I think it was, she said she had 11 children. Groucho, I'm the proud mother of 11 children. Uh, and he goes, 11 children? That's a lot of children. And she said, well, I love my children. And Groucho on live TV in the 50s said, I love my cigar too, but I take it out of my mouth once in a while. <laughs> One of the greatest lines in the... I'm, I, I was hooked forever, Frank. Forever. Oh, I, I, I've been in love with. Him. I saw the first thing I saw him in. Tom was the day at the races, and these guys were just so insane. You know, I was a shy kid. You're nine years old, and you're seeing these guys go wild, and it's like I want to be like them. And that's right. what got me into wanting to be a performer. I figured they're they're having fun. I want to do that. Um, got everything. I got to meet everything him, Tom. you did. You did. Oh, I was ask you that. I did. And that, that story you told reminds me of what he... I met him right toward the end of his life. I was, My dad took the day off of work, Tom, to take me to see my hero. I was 13 years old, and this was in Los Angeles. And he, Groucho at the time, if you recall, was not well. He was almost about 80. He was in his 80s, mid-80s. and He'd had strokes, but he was still going out there like a, the trooper that he was. He loved to entertain. And uh, he finally shows up uh, at the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles, and he looks like he's about to keel over. He's glassy-eyed. He's shuffling. And there are a thousand people in this in this auditorium at the Ambassador Hotel, mostly young people like we were at the time when he was older. And um, he was mumbling through the first part of the presentation. Can you hear me out there? Can you hear me out there? No jokes. We're all concerned that Groucho's going to keel over. Then someone asked Groucho a question. Groucho, are you making any new Marx Brothers movies? And he looked up slowly, Tom, and said, no, I'm answering stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the body was shot, you know, he was stroke-ridden, but he was still using humor. And a woman asked, asked him, Groucho, what do you dream about? And he looked at her and said, not you. <laughs> and the audience went, they loved it. The audience went crazy because we wanted oh, to know. Yeah. We expected him to be irreverent and insulting and brash and... You know, ludicrous. It was a very thrilling day for me. Frank, I want but to hear that, all about your show because I have so many more questions about Groucho for you. I, I, I literally, I don't think you're ever going to meet a bigger fan of, of Groucho Marx wow. than I am from the time. First of all, even as a little boy, a little tiny four or five year old, I thought, this is brilliant. One of the brothers can't talk, and the other one's Italian. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, right. Wait. Well, well, you're right. Uh, Harpo doesn't speak. Chico speaks poorly as in broken English, Italian. And one speaks too much. 
I mean, it covered all the bases. And it, but they, you're, you're, it's so true. They, you know how how perceptive you know you were. I, I felt the same way. It's like what is going on? They were creatures. These guys right. attacking society and all the wealthy and the powerful. And it, I, I remember laughing until I cried. I said, "I've got." Yep. And I went right to my local library. I started reading everything I could about not just the Marx Brothers, but all comedians. It really was really. Uh, really spurned on a uh, interest in, in humor and performing arts but that's groucho that's how potent he was he's 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 a total original fearless free character mm-hmm. um i think that's still why he has so much appeal and that here we are he died in 1977 they're still doing documentaries there's still books out on him there's still my show travels the country and i was on you know television uh that says a lot about what he achieved you know the impact he had uh, I was just looking at some headlines from newspapers from when he passed away. I mean, they're like three-inch block letters. Groucho Marx dies. I mean, he, mm-hmm. and he, this was an 86-year-old man. It was like a, he was to me. He was Superman, and apparently, he was yep. that way for you too. <clears throat> yep. And he <laughs> used language like no one else. You know, so you know, he never made it past the sixth grade. Tom, this guy was self-educated. Really? I'm looking. I'm, I'm walking around my living room. I'm looking at uh, his dictionary. I'm looking at his encyclopedia that his kids gave me. But he used to keep a dictionary in his glove compartment because he was self-conscious about his lack of formal education. Mm-hmm. So he went out to really, you know, improve his his place. You know, he he ended up being writing books himself and corresponding with great writers and humorists. And uh, of course, all that wit comes through in his work on "You Bet Your Life." Welcome, welcome to "You Bet Your Life." Say the secret wide and divide an extra hundred dollars. That great show. Oh, but God. for fourteen years, he did that show. You bet your life, and that's a long run, and mostly mm-hmm. in, it was in the top ten for all that time from 1947 to 61, and with the secret word and the duck, and became part of the you know, national landscape. Uh, and that humor, to me, I like brash humor. I like kitty humor. Yep. yep. And he was just the master of it. So good. No. Uh, and you, Frank, do and you, you bet your you life? Know... Go ahead. Sir. No, go ahead, sir. No, I'm saying. I mean, I'm, I'm, you remember his co-host, his uh, his. Sidekick on you on you bet your life, George Fenneman, the great mm-hmm. announcer. Uh, he every week he would announce Groucho with, and here he is, the one, the only, and the audience would scream Groucho. Well, mm-hmm. you know he was, he came to one of my shows, Tom, and it was remarkable. He was an older man at the time, and I used to sneak out of my bedroom when I was a kid, eleven years old, and watch reruns of You Bet Your Life, like you were saying, sure. because I thought this guy is so, so outrageous and inappropriate. I loved him so much. I was taught by none, so this to me was a thrill. Uh, so, yeah. George Fenneman, George Fenneman was his uh, sidekick. He's at my show, and I introduce him at the end of the show. I said, ladies and gentlemen, here he is in the audience, uh, the male Margaret Dumont, uh, Groucho's straight man <laughs> for 14 years, Mr. Right. George Fenneman. And George Fenneman wa- you know, waves, and the whole audience stands up for him. And George is in tears. He loved Groucho. And he's moved by the evening. He comes backstage, Tom, and I'm, he comes to my dressing room. He goes, Frank, would you like to hear about the last time I, I saw Groucho? Uh-huh. I said, I'd love to. And he tells me the story of driving to Beverly Hills. He goes into Groucho Marx's home, into his bedroom, and there's Groucho, the funniest man in the world. And he's in a wheelchair, and he's not well. He's, he's, had, he's sick. He's had a, like I said, he's had a couple strokes. He's wearing his trademark beret, thick glasses. But, but George described his expression to me as beatific. He was serene. And after this 
joyous encounter with his old boss, his friend, his hero. George tells me he had to move. He had to move Groucho from Groucho's wheelchair to Groucho's bed. So George Fenneman puts his arms around Groucho's torso. He lifts him out of the wheelchair and he starts to shimmy him toward the bed. And in this tiny voice, Fenneman hears, Fenneman, you always were a lousy dancer. (laughs) 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 So great. Again, you know, using humor it. to get through the worst times of life. I love it. That's the anyway, whole deal. I love that story. Do you know the story about what they did to Jack Warner at Warner Brothers? Which oh, one? I'm not him. sure which one. Met him in his, they're supposed to meet uh, Jack Warner in his office at Warner mm-hmm. Brothers, and Jack Warner was late. Did you ever hear that story? Uh, yes, yes. Uh, Irving Thalberg, right? Irving. I'd love to hear one it. Of the, one of their producers, yeah. I'd love oh, yeah, to hear they, your they take They didn't like to be... Well, he never liked to, you know, the Marx Brothers. You couldn't keep the Marx Brothers waiting. And I think this was Irving Thalberg at MGM. Right. And he, he produced their Night at the Opera, Day at the Races. And he really, he, these are the highest grossing comedies of the mid to late 30s at the time. And Irving Thalberg was a producer at MGM, huge, biggest studio at the time. And the Marxes, Harpo, Groucho, Chico, are in the ante room, the, in the lobby area outside his office. No, no Thalberg. Keeps him waiting. Half hour, hour, several hours. You know, they're just there forever. And finally, uh, what happens is Thalberg notices some smoke coming from under his door. He opens the door, and there's the Marx Brothers. They're stark naked, roasting potatoes in the fireplace there. And from that point on, he never kept the Marx Brothers waiting again. So <laughs> that's, the, that's last, the story I heard. The last time Groucho told that story, he, he had mentioned the fact, because Johnny asked him, well, how much... How'd you get the fire started? What he goes, Oh, we were burning the furniture. <laughs> they broke the furniture up and threw it in the fireplace. <laughs> I hadn't heard that version of it. I know oh, these God. stories tend to like expand. I love it. No, yes, they were wild. Yes. They were wild. And uh, can you imagine growing up on stage with three, you know, with your brothers and from the time you're a teenager and watching oh. your brother become Groucho, watch on stage, watching your teenage brother become Harpo and Chico and you no, know, they were so, they were playing their instruments, the harp and Chico on the piano, and it, it must have been they were very close. You know, they loved each other, and and I think that bond comes through. I think that's why we're still talking about that kind of humor because they had this kind of the spiritual connection, a brother, a brotherly, this fraternal connection that you know you can't make up, you can't fake it, and um, it's potent stuff, you know, and it's still still hilarious. <laughs> One of the greatest lines he ever delivered to Margaret Dumont. Margaret Dumont claimed that she was ill, and so Groucho went and got her a pill to make her feel better, and he came back with a pill about the size of a thermos. <laughs> the thing was huge. Remember that story, Frank? Well, is this uh, take, is it, it's a, it's a line? I know. Tell me the story. Tell me that. Okay. Yeah. So he comes back with a pill about the size of a thermos, <laughs> and she looks down and she goes, My, that's a rather large pill. And he said, yeah, well, you're a rather large pill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. I always love the, his scenes with Margaret Dumont, you know, who represented, oh God, yes. embodied the establishment and, the, you know, with the wealthy uh, society, Dowager and all those movies. And, you know, he'd say hor- horribly funny things. Like, I can see you right now in the kitchen bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Come, come, say the word, you'll never see me again. I'll meet you tonight under the moon. I can see it now, just you and the moon. You wear a necktie, so I'll know you. Why don't you beat it? I hear they're going to tear you down and put up an office building where you're standing. 
You can leave in a taxi. If you can't leave in a taxi, you can leave in a huff. If that's too soon, you can leave in a minute in a huff. You know you haven't stopped talking since I came here. You must have been vaccinated with the phonograph people. Why don't you pull up a couple of chairs and sit down? I mean, this is just, just, just relentlessly funny. And he, he had was. this wonderful, perverse relationship on camera. I loved him. You know, Frank, one of the great things for us, for for you and for me and for the fans of Groucho Marx, from the time, like I said, I was four years old, and to this day I just love the man, but not only uh-huh. was it Groucho Marx, is the fact that Groucho Marx would be interviewed by Johnny Carson. Was there ever a better duo than Johnny Carson interviewing Groucho Marx? It was brilliant. No. You're right, and you can see that on YouTube. That is, he's so They're great together, and they all adore oh. Groucho. They, they all bow before Groucho, Carson and Cavett and, and anyone who ever, you know, ever came across Groucho. And, and the comedians, ever, you know, I would say most of the great comedians today, male, female, whatever, you know, will cite him as, as a great influence because he's so really brave and, and, you know, he doesn't make any excuses. He doesn't apologize, uh, which is great. He just is who he is. But, you know, you talked about Tom discovering him when you were a boy, and that's even younger than when I, I discovered. I was like nine, ten. You were at least four or five years old, and I, I toured the show. I've done, I've done it every. I've done this an evening with Groucho for this is my thirty eighth year touring the show, and so I play everywhere. I played five hundred cities around the country. I did two Australian tours. I played London, New York. I mean, I've done. I played played the character everywhere in various shows, but one of the great delights is when you're doing. I do a lot of improv, Tom, in the show about. Mm-hmm. I'd say a third of the show is, is off the cuff, which you understand very <laughs> intimately. So, you know, mm-hmm. but um, I am, I'm playing the show and I start going off the script and I start ad-libbing. And I'm, I start playing with this older woman. She's 94 years old and she's laughing her head off. And she later told me she'd seen the original Groucho, the Marx Brothers, uh, touring in one of their Broadway shows, Animal Crackers. And right next to her is a seven-year-old kid who's never never seen Groucho <laughs> laughing at the same jokes. I mean, right. what what's better than that? It's the it was it's, I, at that moment I realized I have the best job in, in show business when you're making a 94-year-old and a seven-year-old laugh at the same kind of you know improv and ad libbing. It's it's great. It it cuts through eight, you know all ages. So are. So. Are your ad libs um, are are they things that you you have learned from Grouch over time, or do you just kind of riff off of what you think the character would do? Well, yeah, it's it's, it's stuff I'm making up in his style, and um, not everyone knows who he is, so the show has to work whether you know who Groucho Marx is or not. And those of us who know him love him, and for a lot of for a lot of audiences, younger audiences, and, and just audiences who aren't familiar, this is an introduction. But Groucho had a great line. There's no such thing as an old joke if you've never heard it before. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, kind of what it, you know, you know, it's a great line. And it Martin's is. son used to always tell me that, you know, and it's like, that. my dad used to always tell me that. It's like, I got it, I get it. But to answer your question, I've, I've done it so many times now, literally several, like over 3,000 times I've done this particular role. You just get, and it's like anything, it's at-bats. You know, Tom, your career is a long career, and you know what it's like to just keep doing it and hope you're refining it. But honestly, the more I do it, I think the be- I'd like to think the better I get. And I've been in every situation, so I can play with people's occupations, where they're from, and I've played, you know, where you live. You're st- are you still, where are you living now, Tom? 
Uh, in Minneapolis, we spend some time in Florida in the winter. Okay, so you're Minneapolis-based. So I played Minnesota constantly. You know, I played 35 suburbs around, and Minneapolis itself. So you get a feel for different areas in the in the in the country, and, and that's fun. You know, to um, and then people start coming in to see it from a distance, but. But the improv is just something that just, it's just, like you said, it's, it's at-bats. And, you know, early on, you, you just have to try. You know, it's dangerous. You're jumping off a cliff. You don't know what's going to, I don't know what I'm going to say next sometimes. My piano player doesn't know. The audience doesn't know. And there's, um, you figure it out in the doing. Well, you know, what, what do the audiences like? You know, I started seeing that, you know, I can drop a song here if they're not, if, you know, you kind of look at their faces. And early on, I was going, well, I think they prefer the crowd work you know, the improv. And so I just kept developing that. And I've done other humor, humor in my life where that's other roles that are very much improv based. So the Groucho role fed me in other areas. And I also direct plays. So it keeps me, keeps me light on my feet. You know, it keeps me really, you know, I think mentally agile, you know, you have to be like he was, he, uh, Mm -hmm. he was, he's, there's no one quicker, you know, for a guy who never made it past the sixth grade, the intelligence that he had, the wordplay, the puns, you know, like that, whether he made them up or they were written for him. I love a, a good, bad pun. So. <laughs> do you, do you, like the Tuscaloosa joke. Do you soften any of the things that he says? I mean, I, I, I really like it and I really like him. And, you know, he's, he's incredibly talented. I'm surprised by what you said about the education. But at times, some of the things you'd say might be seen as mean. Um, uh, depending on your audience, do you think you soften mm-hmm. anything that he says at times? Uh, well, I, I, I have, I, I think, I don't think he's mean, but he has an edge. Certainly. Sure. But it could be interpreted that way. Like when he's talking to Margaret Dumont, she's also a clown figure. It's not like it's a woman off the street that he's just picking on. She, you know, embodies right. the powerful, the elite. So he's the outsider knocking down, you know, the powerful. But but you have a good point. You know, it is brash comedy. It's like you know, it's which is style I like. Um, I I think because I and, you, and as Tom, you're a You Bet Your Life fan. There was a gentler mm-hmm. quality to him with You Bet Your Life. You know, because he was mm-hmm. older, uh, he wasn't wearing the the mask of the grease paint. You know, when you wear a mu- fake mustache and eyebrows and put on the glass of cigar. It's licensed to do whatever you want to do, to say whatever you want to do, to be as, to be as flirty as you want to be. Um, but you, you bring up a good point, actually, in that because I have the hindsight of his whole career, I'm do, my show is a, fan, is, my, is a fantasy show. It's my fantasy of what it would have been like to have seen Groucho on stage live alone in his heyday. But I also have the, um, the, uh, I have the information of his career. You Bet Your Life is a gentler take. So it's a really good point. So I say to people, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? How did you two lovebirds meet? <laughs> Tell me about the first time you met. And so that has a gentler quality than I can see right now in the kitchen, you know, you know, kind of the insulting, mm-hmm. the more insulting quality. So I, it is a balancing act because I want people to like the character. I want people to go home after the show and, and, want, and want to see Duck Soup or watch You Bet Your Life or go on YouTube and watch him with Johnny Carson. So that's been part of it. it feels a little bit like missionary work i want to convert the uh, you know the uninitiated and uh, and remind people of what he was like those who do know so but ex- excellent that's a great point and i every day i i am every time i do the show i'm walking that tightrope because you want to have an edge but you don't want to be mean and my own i'm not a mean person but, so 
But he had an edge. There's no denying it. That's a, most of those great comedians did and do. No, no. Uh, look, this this is a guy. Two very quick points here. This is uh-huh. a guy who said something 70 years ago that he he could say it today and it would fit right into today's political climate in the world, certainly in America. Mm-hmm. That song, whatever it is, I'm against it, was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so good. It is. Uh, Isn't it amazing? I don't know what they have to say. It makes no difference anyway. Whatever it is, I'm against it. <laughs> Love no it, Frank. What it is, who comments it? I'm against it. And um, <laughs> that, in essence, it's, it's, I think that's from, that's from Horse Feathers. And the <sighs> point is that um, that was his kind of his motto. That was his mantra. You know, he was against yeah. everything. And so the part of us, we're always taught to be polite and kind and play by the rules. Harkening back to the question you asked, you know, is, is the gentle, you know, should you ever feel like doing it, you know, in a more gentle fashion? Um, that's who he was, and that's why we liked him, I think, because we are so kind of controlled by society's the rules. There are no rules with the Marx Brothers. It's their rules. It's their, their right. chaos. And I think that's what's, you know, why we respond to the Marx Brothers. And yes, it's completely inappropriate, the, their behavior and their, <laughs> you know, and, and unexpected. It's totally unexpected. I love the surprise quality I, you know, of, of Groucho. You don't, you can't believe what they're about to jump into. Whether it's a football game in the middle of a society party, or um, you, you never know what they're going to do next. No, he taught me something else on on the Carson show. So this is what now? It's got to be fifty years ago. He's been dead for forty five yeah. years. Yeah. So it's yeah, got to be right. fifty years ago. He taught me something watching the Tonight Show once, and, and people are very nice about it. But they'll say, "God, Tom, you're you can ad lib so well, and you just come up with these mm-hmm. quick lines." And how do you do that? I said, "Well, I learned that from Groucho. I learned it from watching Groucho." And one night he was talking mm-hmm. to Johnny Carson about it, because Carson asked him the exact same question: "How man, you're quick. Your ad libbing is amazing." And he goes, "Johnny." Some of those lines I've held on to for 30, 40 years, waiting for the right time yeah. to use them. Wow. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Wow. Yeah. Hey. That, that is well put. God, it's great. And another thing what? is some of those lines are – go ahead, Tom. Go ahead. Sorry. It was Mike. Yeah, this is uh, Mike Bryant. Mike. Um, the um, with in ear shows has a has a Harpo showed up or has a uh, Zeppo showed up or has, <laughs> yeah. has any of the other characters showed up or even another um, uh, another Groucho. It has. That's a, it's another great question. It's like I was oh. in Philadelphia <laughs> just a couple weeks ago, and um, Philadelphia is a you know great theater town, and the Marx Brothers played there a lot in the, you know, throughout the career. And in fact, the Walnut Street Theater is the oldest continuously running theater in the world. It's been around since 1809. Everyone's played there. The Barrymores and Helen Hayes, W.C. Fields, and the Marx Brothers played there, famously, because it still holds the record for the longest run at the Walnut Street Theater in 200 years, because they kept adding weeks, because the audiences loved them. The show, this, that was their, and that show went to Broadway. It was the first New York show, but I digress. But just to give you a little background on the theater I was at this this past month, so it's about a twelve hundred seat theater and it's packed for they love Groucho. It was one performance I was doing sold sold out, and I can hear I'm doing my jokes as Groucho, and we're doing the Groucho. I hear honk 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 honk. honk. <laughs> and someone had dressed up like Harpo and was honking throughout the whole damn show. <laughs> <laughs> 
upset. I've had people in the front row dressed like Groucho. I, I've had groups of people, you know, who thought it was funny to wear the Groucho glasses. And, of course, I single them out, have them stand up and wave. But, yeah, it does. There's a certain mania around it all. That's a lot of fun. But, it, yeah, it happens. It really does. Do, and that you know, same one thing... theater. I, what's that? No, go ahead, sir. No, I said that, that same theater I played uh, where they did a show called All Say She Is, the show that went to Broadway. I played there in 93, and uh, so 70 years after they played this theater, and uh, this 87-year-old man comes up to me afterward, Tom, and says, you know what? I was here 70 years ago when I was 17, and I saw the Marx Brothers on that very same stage that you're standing on, and I watched Harpo Marx drop 200 knives out of his sleeve right on that very spot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, that great scene in Animal Crackers where Grouch, you know, he's having his, he's, he's, you know, the policeman's shaking Harpo's hand and Silverware, did you take anything from Mrs. Rittenhouse's home? And he's shaking his head no and Silverware keeps pouring out of his sleeve, you know. At the very end, Groucho goes, I can't understand what's delaying the coffee pot. And the coffee pot falls out of his jacket, of course. But <laughs> Of course. Anyway, but that happened of at course. the Walnut Street Theater, too. Isn't that just wonderful? I, I do have a question for you as a performer yourself. One thing that I'm a mm-hmm. bit concerned about. <clears throat> now, again, I, I first saw Groucho when I was four, maybe five years. I think I was four, though, living on wow. Spruce Place over in downtown Minneapolis. But uh, uh-huh. I remember seeing him. One thing that concerns me right now, because, look, Groucho Marx was way before my time. He was my grand grandmother's time, my mother's time. And, right. and I just hung on to that. Um Today we're talking about a guy that's been dead for 45 years. Most of the people, and I think it's because of digital, Frank, I really do. I talk to people under 30 all the time because I will do, once in a while, do some Roddy Dangerfield stuff. And people under 30 have no idea who Rodney Dangerfield is. I mean, it's, a, wow. it's sad. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about a guy now that was would be what 125 years old now if Groucho were still alive today. <laughs> yeah, at least yeah, 135 <laughs> years old. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he'd be 135, and we're still talking about him. But yeah, but right. the younger people, because of digital, I think if you're not current, if you're not today, I don't even know who you are. That that's too bad. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying, Tom, and and. Uh, that's why I like doing this work still and going out there as the character and reminding people. Yeah. And the fact that it's on national television and that will be internationally distributed, that that's going to open up, I hope, a, a younger audience, a new audience. Um, what I did see when I was surprised by it, because I figured, how long can I do this? I first did this role in college as a senior project, and I was discovered by Groucho Marx's son, Arthur Marx, oh, who was a writer. God. And he hired me right out of school to play his dad. And within a year, I was in New York off-Broadway playing Groucho from age 15 to 85 in Arthur Marx's show. But I figured at the time, Mike and Tom, that uh, how long will people be interested in this? Because that audience, the original audience, is going to be completely gone. The You Bet Your Life, the Mm -hmm. 1950 audience, has passed away. But I've been proven wrong. You know, again, you know, I played three summers not too long in the last few years. In Seattle, you know, three, four-week runs. And what I saw, what, and it shocked me, the last run I was there, people in their 20s, university-age students. So I don't Good. know if it's because the local, you know, weekly hip paper said you should see this because Groucho's irreverent and, uh, you know, he's, mm. he's outrageous. And, it, and it's kind of, kind of ageless. It's a timeless kind of humor. 
Um, so I've been seeing younger people, and I think as long as um, you know, he's you can access him. Certainly, the digital age is is, is you're right; it's whatever's current often. But I think right. people can not, people can now access information on him, uh, his movies, his TV shows, and uh, it takes like a, it takes a book, it, t- it takes a show like mine, it takes this kind of conversation we're having to maybe get people to to look him up again, or or, or if someone younger is listening to the show, or younger people are. They might go, you know, just go Google Groucho Marx, and you know, I'm open. there'll be there'll be hundreds and thousands of entries. When no, but when was Frank? That? Go ahead, Frank, Frank. Is it okay if I break the rules and keep you for an extra ten minutes? Is that all right? Absolutely, you, it'd be my pleasure. Go? I'd be honored. Okay, no, I'll no, take I'm a couple good. of I'll take a couple of minute break. We'll come back and we'll talk at least for ten. This is too much for me, Frank. I, you're talking to maybe the second or third biggest fan of Groucho Marx in history after you, pal. <laughs> Love that guy. It's an honor. And we'll be too. right back to a couple of minutes. Uh, Frank Ferrante with us, ladies and gentlemen. Evening with GroucholMarks.com slash the film. It rolled out on PBS on April. Oh, April Fool's Day. Really, Frank? You brought it out yeah, on April Fool's yeah. Day, did you? Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> it, played, it, played, it played Minneapolis the first week of, uh, of, uh, of April, and it's playing Duluth Superior on their PBS channel uh, next week, and it'll be playing all, right. all over the place. We'll take a quick break. Be right back with Frank Ferrante, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Ferrante's Groucho. Right back. The 2022 Bloomington Boat Show is here and going on now. Get out of the cold and into a 25,000-square-foot heated showroom at Dan Southside Marine. A huge inventory of boats means the best deals of the year. Get the boat you want rigged the way you wanted it. Over 60 boats on display from Premier, Avalon, Berkshire, Alumacraft, and more. Ask about the new Alumacraft Competitor FSX, the best new fish ski crossover on the market. See the Premier Revolution featuring first-of-its-kind rotational seating or Avalon's new electric VRB, all rigged with motors from Suzuki. Shop a huge inventory of boats inside a heated 25,000-square-foot showroom. The Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Factory reps will be there, too. Bring the family and explore what's new for 2022 at the Bloomington Boat Show at Dan Southside Marine. Located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, visit BloomingtonBoatShow.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Home Insulation and Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike, and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets 
at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Frank Ferrante, our very special guest. Frank Ferrante's Groucho, eveningwithgroucho.com slash the film. And I have to read this because this is just wonderful. In 2017, and by the way, Frank, I'm sorry you lost uh, another one here. In 2017, the Wall Street Journal picked Ferrante as a top 10 actor for his role as Sudolis in the Stephen Sondheim musical, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. That's another one. Stephen, we just lost Stephen Sondheim. Made me very sad, yeah. Frank. Me too. Me too. Uh, I love that musical's great. It, it, for those who've seen the uh, Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, it's, 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 yep. uh, it's very Marxian in that it's, you know, it's like it's a vaudeville, it's burlesque, it's, uh, it's outrageous. It was fun to do, and Zero Mostel did it for for those who, who don't know. Originally <laughs> on Broadway, and did the film mm-hmm. version. Yeah, no, it's it's. I love working on the you know that kind of work. mostly comic work. I've done series, but yeah, Sondheim. I love Sondheim, and my hero, my, my kind of my mentor. Speaking of people that passed away in the last year, was Hal Holbrook. Oh uh, God, did Mark yeah. Twain. Oh, Mark Twain. Yeah. Who did Mark Twain tonight? And uh, for sixty-two years. God. And he retired at age 92. He passed away just over a year ago at 95. I was at, his, uh, ni- I was at his 95th birthday. We became friends. But when I was a kid, Tom, I, I, when I was putting the show together at, as a student at USC, I didn't know what a one-person show was. <laughs> so I figured I, better, uh, I, I <laughs> yeah. better find out how to do this. And so I started researching, and I saw a lot of shows. In, in L.A. County, and one and uh, including a, a friend of mine named Eddie Carroll, who did a Jack Benny one-person show. Well, that was genius. I saw Jack Klugman play Lyndon B. Johnson. Johnson yeah. But the, the mm-hmm. you know the king the king of them all was um, Hal Holbrook as Mark Twain and Mark Twain yeah. tonight. Yeah. And um, he was one of the of course one of the great actors in every in every medium, little stage, film, television. Uh, but yeah, I've been lucky to to be surrounded by a lot of remarkable people who were encouraging. Hal, Hal was one of those people. Um, you know, he had Emmy Awards and Tony Awards and Academy Award nominations. and But that, that didn't really matter. What really mattered was he was a good man and a, an incredible talent and very generous with people. And um, the real deal, the real deal. So lucky. Do people, Frank, go ahead, Tom. Do people come forward with either videos or photos or things that are new to you as far as information about Groucho? Yes, and there's this kind of like everything you know everything has a following it seems like and and the internet has made that clear. There are specialists, you know, people that are like obsessed with certain parts of the of pop culture. And the Marx Brothers are right there and they're still discovering new recordings hmm. of Groucho Marx and the Marx Brothers uh, from the 30s. Uh, there's a guy named uh, John Tefteller, who was an archivist for Groucho when Groucho was alive. And his job was, as a teenager in his early 20s, was to to collect as much material as possible that was out there still, from posters, recordings. And he's still, you know, 45 years later, almost 50 years later, is still doing that. So something was just discovered this past week, a great show wow. with Hart Groucho and Chico that is hilarious and is it's, it's from 1930, I think the late 30s, and Carol Lombard's on it, and, and Boris Karloff, and it, it's it is remarkable and funny. And Groucho's singing songs like Doctor Hackenbush, uh, which never was in the movie. A day at the Ray was cut from the. I sing it in my show because I love it. 
I love when right. Groucho sings. I don't know how you feel, Tom, but to me, there's something about it. It's just love it. so ludicrous. Like Lydia the Tattooed Lady is one of right. the great novelty songs. And now there's a song. But to answer your question, yes, stuff is discovered ongoing, and, there's, and people are really interested in, in preserving it, that material. But Lydia the Tattooed Lady was written by Arlen and Harburg, who wrote the entire score of Wizard of Oz in 1939, the same mm-hmm. year they, they uh, wrote uh, Lydia the Tattooed Lady. And Lydia the Tattooed Lady, of course, has got some <laughs> you know, hilarious lyrics like, Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia the Tattooed Lady. When her muscles start relaxing, up the hills comes Andrew Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and, it, it, so it's all these clever lines, you know, within the, within the song. But, well, uh, Frank, but you what, know it well. What's the only word that rhymes with Lydia? Encyclopedia. Very good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Encyclopedia. That, that, that's, that's that encyclopedia. Uh, that's about it, I think, Tom. <laughs> But uh, there was there was there was a lyric that was cut from uh, from uh, that was never in the original. But when Groucho started during uh, during the war, he started touring, you know, the, uh, camps and did bond tours. And they added a lyric. It's like Lydia, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia, the tattooed lady. When she stands, the world looks little. When she sits, she sits on Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> but I love all that wordplay. It's great, and you know, it his theme song "Hooray for Captain Spaulding." Yeah, it's just uh, it's it's it makes you feel good. It, it's joyful. It's another thing. It's like with, before every performance, because it's a ninety-minute two-act show I'm doing. So, you know, and, and I'm, I carry the show, and I always say to myself, Frank, share the joy that you felt when you first saw him. That's my job is to share that kind of exhilaration. Mm-hmm. And I figure my job is to exhilarate an audience, whether they know him or not, Groucho, whether they know Groucho or not. The way I, the way I was exhilarated, and I'm still exhilarated by him. He still surprises me. He still tickles me. Mm-hmm. So he's still fresh to me. There's a fresh quality to, to Groucho after all these years. Well, to show you how in touch with loving that man I am, I would have no idea he's been dead for 45 years. I'm holding on to yeah. about five to ten years because I don't want to admit it was 45 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's <clears throat> remarkable. Yeah, I remember when he. Do you remember when he passed? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, it was a sad day. It was a sad a day. Very, very sad. Very sad. Now, Frank, when are you coming to town? You got to come to Minneapolis, St. Paul. You got to. You gotta I get love. Up there. I want to, and we're planning. Uh, it's, it's this timing of this conversation is great. I'm talking to someone who runs a theater. I think it'd be Worthington, and they're planning to do a um, a, uh, a Minnesota tour. Uh, next year, around this time. Uh, so, uh, so I will let you know because uh, I, I loved playing. I was in Plymouth for a whole summer, which was fun. So I got to go into St. Paul and, and Minneapolis all the time. And mm-hmm. Walk. I walked around. It was so so much fun. But it's been a while, so I, I can't wait to go back. So Frank, you are be, the best in the business. You made my week just by being on today. So Monday you come on, you made my week. Frank Ferrante, ladies and gentlemen, an evening with Groucho.com slash the film. You can catch it on PBS. And uh, again, April 1st rolled out on April, on April Fool's Day. What could be better than that? Frank, stay in touch, please. I would love to talk to you off and on throughout the rest of my life, actually. Uh, it's mutual. It's mutual. Thank Tom. Thanks for the time. It's nice to meet nice a fellow Marxist. Yes, yes. <laughs> Hello, I must be going. I cannot say I came to say I must be going. I'm glad I came, but just the same, I must be going. 
voila. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Frank Ferrante, ladies Thanks. and gentlemen. You we'll take, take care, all of you. You too, Frank. Bye. We'll be back in a few minutes.